to the David Glenn Show. Rick Bennell on the NBA and All-Star Weekend and LeBron James and Jennifer Hudson and the late Kobe Bryant and other things. That's in about 90 minutes. More of your calls on the baseball and basketball questions of the day. Joining us now, in my 20s and 30s, as a young journalist, more writer than radio at the time, I was just enamored and in awe of the voice of the Tar Heels back then, Woody Durham who, in case you didn't know, the late, great Woody Durham won the North Carolina Sportscaster of the Year award so many times that I just lost track. Like, I knew it was in double digits, and I'm just thinking, well, let's just name it the Woody Durham Award, right? Might as well. Our guest, Wes Durham, from the ACC Network, he is also the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons, has not only followed in Dad's footsteps in a lot of other cool ways, He's now the Georgia Sportscaster of the Year more times. I know you're in double digits, so, I mean, you might not even know the number. Congratulations on uh, those and other honors, and welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm great. Congratulations. I'm excited for you and John Forslund both in June in Winston-Salem, and uh, uh, it's a a great event, and since we've gone to Winston-Salem, it's become an unbelievable event, and... uh, Looking forward to, I think, another record attendance this year in Winston-Salem, which has been great for the National Sports Media Association. Dave Gorin's done a phenomenal job. The people of Winston-Salem have been just incredible in terms of the way they've embraced the event and the uh, and the history of the event, even though it's been very short-lived in their community after being started in Salisbury. But, no, excited for you and excited for, uh, again, uh, the state of North Carolina to host that great event in June. It has been so cool to see this whole full circle thing with you and, of course, Elon voice Taylor Durham as a part of this industry. Um, but also seeing since Valentine's Day is tomorrow, uh, I know yeah. I knew a little bit of Miss Jean, right? Uh, I saw you sure. and Kevin Keats talking about Valentine's Day. And whereas I have never really I don't think I've had the pleasure more than just saying hello to your lovely wife, Vicki Durham, since tomorrow uh-huh. is Valentine's Day. And you could probably give us, you know, more valuable information on that than even on college basketball. Uh, what was Keats's advice on Valentine's Day? And as a broadcaster who travels a lot, do you say what coaches often say about the importance of that person oh. behind the man as you are the uh, the mayor of the ACC, among other things? Well, I'll just, I'll just tell you this, David. No more than this year as uh has our team uh you know bought into things i mean right he has been unbelievable because uh you know this we don't talk about it a lot on the show i mean i have an apartment in charlotte but my home is in cartersville georgia right um so you know vicky was the one who when this was presented uh back really kind of last winter uh she's the one that said well we got to do this and we'll figure out how we're going to do it and she's been unbelievable and you know uh, I said this to Kevin Keats, and it comes from her to me. Every day is Valentine's Day. Cool. I mean, you know, when you sign up for this, uh, especially this business we're in, much like coaching, and, um, you know, I've had people joke with me that coaches and broadcasters are a lot more alike than people think. Yeah. They're probably right. Um, but, no, you've got to have a great teammate, and I feel very blessed that uh, she's been completely uh, encouraging every time something has come up to go do something. Uh, go ahead. If it, if it gives me an opportunity to it gives me an opportunity to build my career or to do something maybe that 
Otherwise, I wouldn't have the unique opportunity to do it. She's been incredibly supportive. There's no doubt about that. I laughed a long time ago. I don't know if she has changed this, but Vicki Durham, Wes's wife, uh, once had mm -hmm. as her social media description, managing my life and my husband. Gotcha. Yeah, it still is. It's still there? It still is. On, yeah, and on her uh, Twitter feed, it's worth noting, when we say managing, managing my life and my husband, uh, the background picture on her Twitter feed is all you need to know about what that management is because that's her in the nurse's uh, hat in the role in Remember the Titans. Oh, nice. Movie, Remember the Titans. Yeah. And that is uh, if you go to at Vicki Durham, which is her Twitter feed, you can see um, the picture of her in the movie. Uh, and she is Nurse Paige Sibley. It's an uncredited cool. non-speaking role. And she uh, – she is always uh, in, in that movie, and my kids think it's hilarious. My kids are from my first marriage. Will and Emily think it's absolutely hilarious. Their stepmom <laughs> is in Remember the Titans. My daughter, not long after Vicky and I got married, here's the funny part. You know, at the end of school, higher ed education in, in all sorts of public schools takes a back seat to the last 72 hours they're in school because they do nothing. You know this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. They watch movies. So, um, my son, they showed Remember the Titans in his, I think it was, what, sixth or seventh grade class at the end of his school This year. is awesome. Will had him stop the movie. <laughs> he had him stop the movie so they could, that he could point out his stepmom in the movie. It was, uh, it's a pretty funny story we should tell a little bit. But, uh, no, she's great. She's been unbelievable, especially, um, you know, since this summer when uh, we started this transition of having uh, kind of two residences, if you yeah. will, the apartment here in Charlotte and certainly uh, our home in Georgia, which which we dearly love for sure. I am even more glad I asked you a Valentine's Day question. That is great stuff. <laughs> West Durham is on Twitter, at West Durham. Of course, ch check him out all the time on the Packer and Durham show on the ACC Network. In his spare time, he is also the radio voice of the NFL's Atlanta Falcons, among many other things. All right, Louisville beats Georgia Tech last night. We have a bunch of big games yeah. on Saturday awaiting us yeah. in the ACC and otherwise. I want to ask you kind of a philosophical question before we get into that nitty-gritty. Coach K, when Duke lost to Louisville a while back at Cameron, came into the post-game press conference and talked about the lack of freedom of movement. And he could tell in the moment, Wes, and you've been around him a lot as well, he knew that it was going to be interpreted by too many people as Coach K's whining because the Devils just lost to Louisville. But I actually thought his broader point – even if it was, you know, poorly timed, maybe he even thought, I shouldn't have said it now, I should have said it later. I watched Notre Dame and Virginia score a total of five points in an entire five-minute overtime period uh, this past mm -hmm. week. I love college hoops, and there are some matchups, ACC or otherwise, that I'm having less fun watching. And sure. I wonder, to, to what degree have you heard coaches talk about this? They don't want to get on the wrong side of the officials who, who you know, are, are letting a lot of this stuff go and swallowing their whistles. Do you believe that we have a problem on our hands with the way college basketball is being officiated given some of these scores? Um, no, I don't. I think what we have is we have an interesting combination of things, especially in the ACC, okay, because I, I think a couple things have come to the – to the surface. Number one, you have established programs who are void of elite talent. True. Okay. Um, you know, Carolina, obviously the most glaring example, right? I mean, Carolina just does not have the, the quality or level of player maybe that they've had certainly in most recent years and, and maybe historically, I, you know, that's another discussion for another hour of your show yeah. one day. Right. Um, 
you know, we have good players, but we started this year. Remember now, we started this year with only two of the 15 all ACC players from a year ago back. Right. Two. Um, so there was going to be a lot of growth, a lot of maturity, a lot of experience. And, you know, that's a nice way of saying a lot of missed shots and a lot of poorly played basketball for a certain portion of this season. When he said that now, remember, we were still relatively young into the ACC season despite starting games in early November. Well, the core games were still going to play, take place in the new year. So I think what he was talking about was that the game was starting to grind itself. Remember now, his, his basketball philosophy, not only is it crafted over 40 campaigns at Duke, it's also been heavily influenced by his work with USA Basketball, okay, where he has coached and successfully the highest level basketball player on the planet, okay? So his vision, if you will, of basketball can be skewed to the top 1%. You follow me on that? Yeah. Um, I think what we're getting this year in college basketball is it's a combination of youth, inexperience, not great skilled play, and then, oh, by the way, programs that run their way, run their way, if you will, like in Virginia's case, if we called every bump that Virginia had the other night against Notre Dame, we'd still be playing that game. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just the way Virginia plays. They, that's the style of play Virginia has. And the beauty, as I said this morning on the show, is they have now a fan base at John Paul Jones Arena that's incredibly well-educated on the style they play and applaud it accordingly, which I think is great. Um, I don't know. The, the, your overall question is probably one for Brian Kersey, who yeah. I have great respect. Because Me too. I respect and understand the business of officiating now because of my friendship with him more so than I thought I ever would. I think the other thing, too, is that he and John Cal are at the forefront of doing something in a, an alliance, if you will, of conferences to make basketball officiating better. Um, but I think we're in a unique combination this year, David, to be honest. I think that a lot of the stuff we're seeing is just based on the level of inexperience, the level of skill, and, oh, by the way, every night, reflective of last night is going to be a grind or a surprise and I think we're seeing a little bit of both to be honest with you every night it's interesting you and I have walked a similar path in that regard because from John Clockerty through Brian Kersey Mm -hmm. and I'd say maybe a half a dozen of the guys that are you know still out there actively kind of blowing the whistles my eyes have been open to their job descriptions in ways that I would have had no clue in in my 20s for example and I'm glad sure. that those guys sort of give us that window. Otherwise, you know, we'd just be left out in the cold guessing about how their world works. Wes Durham is joining us on the David Glenn Show. I did a little research on Coach K's five national championship teams. And as it turns out, even though he, and you've, you've walked this path, you know Dean Smith used to talk about the regular season title or first place in the ACC as if it was sacred land, you know, the, the greatest mm-hmm. accomplishment. Coach K kind of rolls his eyes at that. And whereas he has a shot this year, he hasn't been in first place uh, in 10 years. They, have, they don't have a regular season title at Duke. This surprises most people since 10 years ago. As mm-hmm. it turns out, all five of the teams that Coach K took all the way to the national title had only two or three losses in conference play. Four were first place, and the other was a dominant second place team like 15-3 and three five years ago. 
With right. that in mind, when you see Louisville lose at Georgia Tech, when you see, you know, Duke has also had some head scratchers. Clemson on the road, for example, Stephen F. A., Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Florida State probably had its only scratch, head scratcher in the opener against Pitt. Their other losses, I think, have been to better teams for the most part. Is Duke the highest ceiling team among the three that we talk about fighting for one seeds, two seeds, and three seeds, or is it Florida State or Louisville in your eyes? Boy, I think all three can. I mean, I, I just think that Florida State, and you saw this Monday night, I thought that was a pretty high-level game, and that's why Coach K was so excited yeah. about the win. Um, you know, I think all three are capable. I think what Louisville had last night was um, Louisville's attention to detail is what cost them sometimes. And I think last night you had that plus the combination of and I, Look, I can't explain it. I think he's a great player. I think he's a good kid the two or three times I've been around him. Sometimes Jordan Wara just disappears and doesn't seem interested. Now, Chris Mack chased him a little bit in the post. Right. And I'm going to be interested to see what that looks like at Clemson on Saturday. But I think Duke is the one that this week I would feel the best about because they survived and found a way the other night in the rivalry game against Carolina and then turned around and I think won probably the hardest basketball game they're going to play all year, you know, when they beat Florida State at home. And that's why he was so excited about, you know, his team took another step the other night by doing that. Meanwhile, let me, you know, look at Louisville. They exercised that demon against Virginia on Saturday, then turned around last night and let Georgia Tech do exactly what Georgia Tech did two weeks before at the Yum Center. While Louisville was able to pull it from the fire two weeks ago, they couldn't pull it from the fire last night. Yeah because they didn't shoot it very well. And, I, you know, their starters combined for 18 points last night? Come on, you can't – you're not going to get out of round two of the tournament. You're not going to get to the Sweet 16 if you pull that kind of act one night. And so I think Chris Mack's in more of a learning situation than Leonard Hamilton and Mike Krzyzewski, to be honest with you. And, but I think Louisville's as talented as anybody else because I think when David Johnson goes, he's going to be an incredible player in this league. I mean, and he's hard to guard right now when he gets it cranked up, David. And so – you know, let's think about the three as a whole right now. I'm not really ready to separate one from the other two, per se. Um, I think we're dealing in two twos and a three, uh, and I'm hoping we get a one out of it just because I think this league deserves it. And I do think the league is better than what people are saying nationally. But uh, as Pac likes to say in the morning, the globbiness is causing the problem. <laughs> the globbiness of, of what we get from one night to the next in this league is – is a head scratcher as a whole. I do believe that. Quick snapshot as I ask you the inevitable inevitable bubble question. I don't know if you have a you know. If, do you circle a date on the calendar before you allow yourself to say either bubble or bracketology? You can elaborate on that if you like. But for for the listeners, there are six ACC teams right now who are on track for losing regular season records. And I mean overall, not necessarily in conference play. Carolina, Wake, Miami, Boston College, Georgia Tech, and maybe the Clemson Tigers. We'll see. Pitt and Virginia Tech and maybe Clemson uh, look more like NIT teams to me. And then you've got UVA on the right side of the bubble. NC State still a little bit on the wrong side of the bubble, but the huge win at Syracuse. And I know that Notre Dame and Syracuse, while not real close to the d bubble, Notre Dame goes to Duke Saturday. Syracuse goes right. to Florida State Saturday. Uh, who's running out of time? And, and in that in that glob that you mentioned, you know, who are those best candidates? If we assume UVA will make it, uh, this league's not going to get stuck on four, is it? You see, you see somebody else you believe in? Yeah, I do. I think that. Well, I think the thing you have to look at is first of all. 
Syracuse does not have a non-conference win that that committee can wrap its arms around. Yeah. Okay. NC State at least has Wisconsin, right? So you can you can kind of separate those two. And the fact that NC State won the ball game the other night, I think, really really helps. As somebody said, it didn't put them in, but it also didn't cast them out, right? Um, so they're they're not in, but they're certainly not out. Uh, I think the team, and I've said this on the show, I think the team that has the uh, the capability to win two, maybe three, and get to Friday uh, in Greensboro is uh, is Notre Dame, just because how well they shoot it. And also, I I think John Mooney's a real problem in the league, not just from his production standpoint, but I think you've got to you got to use two different guys to guard him at points during the game. And I think he can foul out a team too, just by the way he plays. Uh, but I really like Prentice Hub, and I like T.J. Gibbs, and I think Rex Luger's swag is a little fun to watch at times. And I think Leshevsky can get hot. Dane Goodwin's played well. He's the only double-figure bench scorer in the ACC right now, too, David. Um, so I think that you know Notre Dame, and plus Bray, as you well know, lives for that event, right? Because he likes the fact they came to North Carolina and won it, yeah, on a Saturday night against Carolina in Greensboro. So I think Notre Dame understands it. Syracuse, to me. I think Buddy Bayheim and Elijah Hughes are really, really good, but Joe Girard's going to have to play off his head if, if Hughes is really hurt. I mean, Joe Girard's going to have to go get 20 a night for Syracuse to be in the mix because they just don't have guys that can score around them, you know? I mean, I think they're very limited. Um, Pittsburgh last night really surprised me. That really, really, really surprised me. I thought I thought Pittsburgh would, would get Clemson based on what I had seen Sunday night when the Irish beat the Tigers at Little John. NC State, I've got a lot of NC State games going down the stretch here, including Sunday night at Boston. Cool. I think NC State can get it done. Uh, I think the Wisconsin win helps. What NC State can't do is you got to kind of get one of those three that you got left. Agree. You know what I'm talking yep. about. You got to get one of the Dukes, or you got to get uh, you got to get the Florida State. You got to find a way to win one of those games, and then don't give one away. Uh, back to the field by losing a game you should win. And NC State fans are rolling their eyes. They are. Because they I know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, you can't give one back. And uh, and I'm, I'm optimistic about them. Um, I think it, it's very encouraging if I'm a State fan how well C.J. Bryce has come back. And the way he scored the ball uh, against Syracuse the other night I thought was incredibly encouraging for NC State fans. Well put, man. Early happy Valentine's Day to you and Vicky. Thanks for sharing some personal stuff, along with, of <laughs> course, your basketball wit and wisdom. Uh, keep up the good work, my man. We'll be knocking on your door again soon. All right, we'll see you in Greensboro, right? Looking forward Absolutely. To it. We'll have a lot of fun out there. His name is Wes Durham. He is the unofficial mayor of the ACC. He is one of the official voices of the Atlantic Coast Conference as well, voice of the NFL's Atlanta Falcons, too. On Twitter, he is at... Wes Durham. You can follow Vicky too. She's at Vicky Durham. You can even, I did not know that story about remember the Titans. I did not know that that photo was from her role credited or not from that famous sports movie. That's pretty cool. I've known Wes Durham for a long time. How did we never, we've shared some pretty cool glasses of wine among other things at some uh, ACC events. How did I not know that about his wife of uh, more than a decade now, if I remember correctly, good stuff personally and professionally, from friend of the program, Wes Durham. Rick Bennell on the NBA. That's next hour. That means you can jump back in on the other side. More college basketball, postscript. Our recent conversation with John Grisham 
audio, accsports.com, the transcripts, if you will, at The Athletic Carolina. We just posted it this morning. If you didn't know, one of the most prolific authors in American history, legal thriller, his genre, of course, is a huge ACC fan. His wife went to Carolina. His grandkids, he calls Tar Heels. He lives in the Charlottesville area when he's not living in the Chapel Hill area. Guess who plays each other on Saturday night in Chapel Hill? It's the Cavaliers at the Tar Heels. He was there in person when Tony Bennett led the Cavs to their first title, what, Minneapolis. But he was also there in person rooting on the Tar Heels as his wife's alma mater won it all in college basketball. Now, what does he do when they play each other? I think his joke when he visited with us on the show recently was, I root for Mississippi State, which is his alma mater. But he'll be there. I know his daughter, Shay, who lives in the Triangle with her husband, Mike, they'll be there rooting for the Tar Heels. Renee, the wife, of course, rooting for the Tar Heels. But his son, Ty, not only attended UVA, played baseball at UVA, and he's engaged, and his fiance is also a Wahoo. So you got Grisham is Switzerland surrounded by a whole lot of people with some pretty intense rooting interests this Saturday night at the Smith Center. I'm going to be over at that game representing the David Glenn Show and ACCSports.com and The Athletic Carolina. I hope to get to say hi to John Grisham and thank him personally and in person for his recent appearance on our show. Again, the transcript, if you will, at The Athletic Carolina posted earlier today. The audio, as every hour of every show that we do uh, that has an ACC angle, is posted at accsports.com. If you follow us on Twitter, at David Glenn Show, we do post every hour of every program, audio style, there every day as well. 1-800-849-2761. If you're just joining us, beyond this college basketball talk, we've gotten into the NBA and some baseball. With apologies coming from the Houston Astros, from the owner to some of the guilty players, do you believe these folks with their apologies, and will you forgive them? Not every apology has seemed better than disingenuous in my eyes, and I have a harder time forgiving somebody if I don't think they're being genuine with their offer of an apology. A lot of baseball fans fired up about that story from earlier today. Spring training is upon us, so the microphones and cameras are back in play for these baseball players who have not had to answer publicly at all, certainly not often, since the news broke about the Astros' 2017 World Series season and their illegal sign-stealing that helped them do great things. Basketball question, where is 35-year-old LeBron James on your MVP ballot right now? I understand if he's behind Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I think LeBron's getting not enough respect as we head into the All-Star break. If he's not one, two, or three on your MVP ballot, I don't think you're watching closely enough. 1-800-849-2761. Where is LeBron on your MVP ballot as we're past the midpoint of the regular season and on our way to Chicago for All-Star Weekend this weekend? 1-800-849-2761. Lines were jammed in hour number one. Lines are open here in hour number two. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. College hoops, LeBron in the NBA. The Astros in Major League Baseball, and why is Cowboys legend Drew Pearson so mad at a college football coach that he's attacking him on social media, calling him a con man, among other things? He is saying these words about the current and new head coach at, Mississippi, at uh, Michigan State, Mel Tucker, 
who left Colorado after telling Drew Pearson there was no way he'd leave the Buffaloes with Drew's grandson signing on the dotted line to play for Coach Tucker. More on that crazy story with more of your calls next on The David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Matt and Donata. One in on the baseball question of the day. With the Astros owner and some key players offering apologies earlier today for their sign-stealing scandal that included their World Series season of 2017, do you believe their apologies? Do you think they're authentic? And will you forgive them? At least one thing said by the owner, Jim Crane, that sounded disingenuous to me. He wasn't willing to admit that there's a competitive advantage to telling the guys in the batter box, batter's box what pitch is coming with the use of cameras in center field and HDTVs and a communication line to get it to the guy in the batter's box. I've never met anybody who's played baseball that would say generally that that is not a massive competitive advantage. There are individual baseball players that I've known that didn't want to know what pitch was coming. I get that. It is disingenuous to suggest more broadly that it's not an advantage. And that's why these apologies, or at least some of them, fall short of the genuineness and authenticity that is required for me to forgive anybody in any kind of context. We'll go to Matt. Remember, the basketball question of the day is, where is 35-year-old LeBron James on your MVP ballot? As we near the uh, All-Star break, there's one more night of games, including a good one with the Clippers visiting the Celtics before everybody heads to Chicago, Anthony Davis's hometown. He'll be a part of the big game, of course. LeBron James is not only there, but as a playing captain. They're going to honor the late Kobe Bryant. More on that after more of your phone calls, college basketball, and those baseball and basketball questions of the day. Matt in the Triangle, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Good afternoon. I think it would be interesting to see how Bob Gibson would respond. To oh, jeez. He'd, he'd probably knock everybody down and lead the league and hit bats. Yeah, there there might be an ambulance needed uh, near the, the, the batter's circle because, um, you know, he didn't like when people would steal signs the old-fashioned way. I imagine if they were breaking rules the way the Astros did, uh, good old Bob Gibson would throw, throw a lot more high and inside. To me, the only way to get absolution for these baseball players is to find everybody who was on the roster on every team that was involved 50% of this year's income. You can't, you can't tell me that everybody, dugout and bullpen included, didn't know. There are no secrets in a dugout. We all know that. And everybody, if one guy knew, everybody knew. Now, to, to make the comment that there was no advantage goes in the face of the scene from Bull Durham when he tells the guy, here comes the yeah, right. ball, and he hits yeah. the home run. Isn't that a great scene? Crash Davis is, is upset at Nuke Lelouch because he's not listening to him. I mean, he's the veteran catcher. He's brought this young lightning rod arm along, and he gets in this game, and he wants to stop listening to Crash after Crash has been put, you know, asking him for all the right pitches. So just to prove the, kid, the, the point to the young punk, 
He told the guy in the batter's box what was coming, and it was deposited, if I remember correctly, over the right field fence. Did they hit the bull on that one? I can't remember. Maybe. He did, as a matter of fact. But I tell you, you know, unless you unless you are either willing to find these ball players a substantial amount of their income, yeah, or take the championship away, you're going to always have a problem in the fans' eye of was this legitimate or not. And yeah. if you're taking if you're taking a championship away from Kershaw because you're telling the guys what pitch is coming. If I'm Kershaw, I'm telling you, I'm knocking three or four guys down the first game. I get it. And, and I'll tell you what, the, just as Rob Manfred had to play by baseball bylaws, right? A lot of times in fan land, we have ideas that we think are justified. And when you look at the bylaws, well, Rob Manfred has a maximum fine he's allowed to give. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to give more, but, you, you know, you got to follow the bylaws. Otherwise, you're not only going to be sued, you're going to lose the lawsuit. There's just no doubt about it. Similarly, I don't know every detail and nook and cranny of the collective bargaining agreement for players in baseball, but to get to the point for any wrongdoing where you are finding them, I think uh, the suggestion was 50% of their income for this year, you got to check the collective bargaining agreement just to see if that's allowable for whatever violation. Because, again, if it's not, you just get sued and you lose, and then the wrongdoer ends up you know, getting other compensation. You don't want to reward the bad guy by finding them or disciplining them beyond the sanctions that you're allowed to use. So I'd have to do a little more research on what would be allowed and what would not be allowed. Um, but I don't, I don't have any problem with trying to find – uh, the wrongdoers and punishing them more severely. One other problem with that proposal, lumping everybody together, you might run into problems legally or with the collective bargaining agreement. Because, for example, Justin Verlander, former pitcher of the Astros, backed up part of what the caller just said. He was Justin Verlander's like, look, I'm not even a hitter, right? And I didn't even know the details of what was going on, but I knew what was going on, as the caller said. If you travel for six or more straight months with a group of dudes that are mostly the same, you know, guys rotating in and out a little bit, of course there are no secrets beyond, you know, the ones that one or two people might be able to keep secret. You have 20-plus dudes. There are no real secrets among that many people. And Justin Verlander said, A, I apologize for not calling it out. He said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to apologize for something I didn't do, but I do feel bad that I knew this was going on, and I, as a player who values the integrity of baseball, mostly let it go as my teammates were doing it rather than calling it out more harshly, which, remember, we've gone from opposing players calling it out harshly. Remember Mike Fires, the first man to put his name on what they were doing was outrageous in clear violation of, of baseball rules in a massive competitive advantage for them and disadvantage for me and other pitchers and other opponents. And, and Mike Fires got attacked by some people. Some media called him a snitch. Some baseball players called him a snitch. Well, now they're coming out of the woodwork. Why? Because they realize that World Series title that they were chasing, but they lost to the cheating Astros, well, now they're a little more bothered now that they know more of the details. Similarly, some guys who played with the Astros do sound sincere with their apologies. Others, a little harder to believe. They're, they go from celebrating at the Astros Fan Fest to because the cameras are there and they know what they're supposed to say, now apologizing for their role in the cheating scandal. Is it Donatus in Raleigh? Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go ahead. 
It sure is. Thanks for taking my call, DG. Sure, man. Remind me how to pronounce your name. I hate I hate when I get that wrong. Oh, you're fine. You said it perfectly. All right, cool. So, um, uh, I, I can't I can't remove myself from just real quick one line on LeBron James. He belongs number one on everybody's on okay. MVP ballot. His impact on the team, um, while like when when he's not on the court, him being missing, but like you still have Anthony Davis on the court, and to not have that same kind of thing for um, Giannis in the squad, yeah, and Giannis to that. It just it immediately separates LeBron from the field. And real quick, before you go to your next, I'm not I'm not blind to Giannis. I'm not blind to James Harden of the Rockets. I'm not blind. Damian Lillard's hurt right now. Pretty cool at the All Star Weekend. He is actually not going to play basketball, even though he is an All Star, of course. And I would put him somewhere on my MVP ballot. I don't know, but behind LeBron, uh, he might perform as a rapper. Damian Lillard has been building a career as a rapper. So I'm dead serious. This sounds sarcastic. There's a guy based in Chicago named Jeremiah who's going to perform with Damian Lillard if he feels up to it. Lil Wayne is going to join him as well. So you got Jennifer Hudson and other professionals performing. I don't know the full list, but Damian Lillard, the all-star basketball player, is expected to showcase his rapping talents as well. That's pretty cool. That's just part of the festivities in Chicago. Go ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, shows the depth of players a lot more beyond uh, just their skill set. Amen. Too. Um, so uh, specifically about the base, about baseball thing, as a Nationals fan, um, thank you guys for not stealing our signs and uh, using them to beat us for this one. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> but the um, – to have to, to make a statement, so I played football in high school and college. Um, only well, I played I played camp ball in college. Got hurt in camp and wasn't able to stay on the squad. Um, when you know on de- when you know on defense what the offense is getting ready to do, um, you make adjustments as a team. In, in baseball, you're only facing one player. So so to get up at, to get up in the batter's box, uh, to line up at the plate and get ready to swing, um, and and you already know exactly what's coming because of different things that you've done disingenuously to take advantage yeah. of what that pitcher is getting ready to do to you, you automatically, based on numbers, mitigate what that pitcher is able to do with you. Now it's just, I know this ball is going to come this way in this generic area, and I've got to make contact. And there's a big difference between that and the steroid scandal. Because the guy who does steroids still has to figure out what pitch is coming before he finds the ball places the ball and gets the base. Yeah. I already know where everything that's coming and I'm getting ready to put the bat to the ball. That's ridiculous. And I got cheated on is the reason why I'm not married yet. If, if my girl would have apologized to me when I was 25, we would be married for seven years by now. <laughs> like, all he has to do, all they have to do is, as, as a team is just say, I'm sorry, and let it be that. I don't, I don't care about the additional fines, but if you just say I'm sorry and, and let it be an honest apology, we can all move forward in our relationship in baseball. But I've got to look at people I know that are fans of the Astros and ask them, like, can you honestly back your team that's pretending like they're saying sorry to the rest of the league? Like, that's crazy. Very well put, man. Thanks for listening. Thanks for contributing. More of your phone calls on the other side. Rick Bennell on the NBA, the All-Star Weekend, the MVP debate, LeBron James, Damian Lillard as rap star. I'm not kidding. He apparently has done it the hard way. He has come up the ranks trying not to just benefit from his obvious star power and name recognition. He's getting credit for others in the music industry for sort of 
doing it the old-fashioned way. And he's built a following, first just on social media and otherwise. He's released a few albums at this point, and he is expected to be part of the festivities musically this weekend. Jennifer Hudson, by the way, is expected to do a musical tribute to the late, great Kobe Bryant. So a lot to look forward to even beyond the basketball in Chicago. That is a homecoming game, remember, for Lakers center Anthony Davis. I covered him as the number one high school player in America, and he was that in the city of Chicago. I didn't catch him there, but on some uh, all-star circuits. He's come a long way, baby. National champion, of course, with the Kentucky Wildcats as that one-and-done national player of the year. And now with LeBron, as the Lakers look to be the best of the West, Giannis, of course, another MVP candidate, the best player on the team with the best record in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of folks have Giannis number one on their MVP ballot. I can't really fight you on that. But if LeBron's not somewhere in your top three, you're disrespecting one of the greatest of all time. He was great again last night. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the college basketball, Major League Baseball, NBA, and other headlines of the day. 1-800-849-2761. Why is Dallas Cowboys legend Drew Pearson so mad at a college football coach that he's attacking him on social media, even calling him a con man, among other things? Well, it has to do with the promise to stay at your school and a promise to Drew Pearson's grandson, and a promise that was not kept within a week of the promise, that same college football head coach left a Pac-12 school for a Big Ten school, and Drew ain't having it. That story and more of your calls next. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop after this. Yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Lines open for the first time in a long time. Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer on the NBA All-Star Weekend. Kane's back on home ice tomorrow night after a four-game road trip in the NHL. Tiger Woods and friends are back on the course at Riviera starting today. XFL Week 2 is almost upon us. College basketball is always front and center on our program. One thing I promised as we come back to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Most in our audience not forgiving the Houston Astros for the apologies that have come from the owner and some star players today. You got to be truly contrite in the eyes of most people. You have to be more authentic than pragmatic with your apology for most people, including me, to accept that apology. Fortunately, I haven't needed to accept too, too many over the years, but the Astros disgraced baseball. The Astros violated the integrity of the game. There are not many bigger sins in any of the sports that we follow. You can chime in. Do you believe the apologies? Will you forgive these wrongdoers? Basketball question surrounds LeBron James. Where is he on your MVP ballot right now? At 35 years old, he may be beyond, behind Giannis Antetokounmpo on most ballots. Understandably so. It's an interesting debate. But if he wins another one, he already has four MVPs, he would become one of the oldest MVPs in NBA history, just adding to his incredible legacy. The one thing I promised came from the college football ranks of all places. I grew up watching Drew Pearson as a star wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, usually at the expense of my Philadelphia Eagles. 
Drew Pearson tweeted this yesterday from his account, at 88 Drew Pearson. Mel Tucker is a con man. All capital letters, exclamation point. He recruited my grandson to go to Colorado, said he wasn't going anywhere, and then he ups and leaves. He sat there and lied to my face that he wasn't going anywhere, another exclamation point. So I want to beat him up today on social media. What else can I do? Question mark. Again, Cowboys legend Drew Pearson. I did not know that one of his grandsons was a star football player. Signed with the Colorado Buffaloes. And remember how that works. You're committed to the school, but there is no rule preventing your coach, even if he just told your grandpa, no way I'm leaving Colorado, man. I've only been here a year. It was a mediocre season record-wise, 5-7, and seven, but apparently Colorado was recruiting well. The arrow was pointed in an upward direction. That was part of what inspired Drew Pearson's grandson to sign there. And lo and behold, at an unusual place on the coaching carousel calendar, 99 almost percent of all college football coaching changes happen when? In November, at the end of a season that's going poorly, somebody can be dismissed. Or in December, after conference championship games, before bowl games, if you're not going to a bowl, sometimes you're fired even if you're going to a bowl in the age of six and six teams that are bowl eligible. I say 99%. I don't know the number, but we all know. Common sense tells us almost all college football head coaching changes happen in November and December. So if you chose to sign late as a recruit, say the February signing period, you would limit the possibility that your head coach would just depart soon after you signed on the dotted line. They can now do that as high school seniors as early as December. Well, Michigan State's coach Mark D'Antonio chose to step down at a really weird time on the calendar. It was earlier this month. So when Mel Tucker, Colorado coach, was talking to Drew Pearson, grandpa, I'll bet you Mel Tucker thought, man, all the jobs that I might have been interested in have been filled so, of course, I'm going to be here at Colorado for at least another year, maybe even a lot of years. Well, then Mark D'Antonio surprisingly stepped down. The guy they thought they were going to get at Michigan State, Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, surprisingly said no. And the next thing you know, Mel Tucker is front and center in the Spartans coaching search. On the same day that he ended up taking the Michigan State job, he was tweeting things about how he, his coaches, and his players are staying loyal to Colorado, should be loyal to Colorado, and will bind together forever as members of the Colorado Buffaloes. Truly hours after giving a speech to Colorado Boosters about the long-term future and his optimism with the Buffaloes, he changed his mind and took the job offer from Michigan State. I see why Grandpa is upset. Grandpa may not know. There are ways to protect yourself. More on that later. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. Been? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80, <laughs> Eight zero. the original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. College basketball, NBA, XFL, MLB, NHL, and your calls next on the David Glenn Show throwback justice league you know batman wonder woman superman aquaman if there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life aquaman is your guy zay jones is dominating the three cone drill 
Aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show.